Blog Talk Radio. Well, we are, again, always grateful for people tuning in to our radio show, which is, of course, the Right Voice radio show. And we are especially glad to have a segment today that's very, very important. Um, we talk a lot on this show about, about values, about what matters, about what's important. And we've dedicated a lot of time, actually, to to the, the Planned Parenthood issue. <clears throat> and, uh, and that's because it's, it's an important issue and it's been very much in the news. And, uh, and yet we also want to focus on things that shine a spotlight on people who embrace children. And so I'm very, very grateful that I have a special guest um, today for uh, November, which is National Adoption Month. And I know that, that some people didn't know that, that there was such a thing as National Adoption Month, but indeed there is, and uh, it exists. And uh, couples and families that, that adopt children are special. And so I saw this month as an opportunity to highlight adoption and how important it is, um, not, just, not just for the lives of, of children uh, who become part of a family, but also for those families, those families that are enriched. And society is, is enriched as well. We as a society are enriched because of adoption. And you might say, well, you know, how is society enriched? You know, Adrian, I know what you mean when you say that, that the children are enriched and when you say that families are enriched, but what exactly do you mean when you say that society is enriched? Let me tell you, I say that society is enriched for a number of reasons, because first of all, happy children only benefit our society. We know the importance that, uh, of children having a safe home. And so that's number one. That will benefit our society. But also, because as I said, we talk a lot on this show about the sadness of, of abortion, and we desire that people would consider adoption as a viable option to, to breathe life into perhaps the life of not, not only just those the unborn. We don't want to just encourage the uh, uh, pregnant women to give birth, but we also love the fact that there are people out there who are breathing life into into children who are already born and giving them hope. And in fact, a few a few weeks ago, we interviewed Randy Bolander, and he and his wife. We talked about they have lots of children, and they adopted lots more. And we talked to Randy about much of their adoption house, which they call Zoe's house. And so we have been shining a, a spotlight on 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 adoption. Well, today. We're going to talk to Ann Knapp. She and her husband, Dan, are the parents of two adopted uh, young men, two adopted uh, boys. And they, the Bolanders, already had children. They already had uh, their family. But they opened their hearts and their homes to two more. And so Ann is our special guest, and she's going to share with us um, some of her journey. In, this, in the short time that we have with her, we want to hear her journey, and we want it to be an encouragement to, to all of you, whether you are parents or whether you are um, thinking about parenting, thinking about adopting, or you're just interested in a heartwarming story of um, what I consider heroism, really. So, Anne, thank you for joining us on the Right Voice Radio Show. 
Thank you for having me. Yes, I am grateful that you are here and that you're willing to spend some time sharing your story. So, and again, in that in this short time that we that we do have with you, uh, we want to hear as much of your story as possible. So we're going to jump right in, okay? Okay. All right. Now, well, yeah. You let me let me just start by saying this: you and your husband Dan were already parents before you adopted. I mentioned. Yes, we have three biological children. Three biological children, and you took in two more. Yes. Okay. So tell us, I know you said you had three, but tell us a little bit about your family prior to the adoption. Well, um, at the time of the adoption, um, we had uh, two boys and a girl, um, Frank, Austin, and Molly. Uh, we had thought our family was quite, in fact, um, before having had Molly, I had a, a, a difficult miscarriage, and um, we hadn't planned on having any more than two. But Molly was a miracle, and after we had her, we certainly felt as though we were finished. But mm -hmm. uh, I guess God had other plans for us. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. We okay. actually kind of stumbled into the whole experience. Um, we had never considered adoption. Um, okay. You had never considered adoption, which is interesting because I know never. that that there are probably lots of people who who feel the same way. So how did you come to that decision to adopt, something that seems so daunting to so many? Well, uh, I guess it was about the summer of 2006. Um, my husband just felt a burden to pray for me. Um, he just felt that God was getting ready to do something amazing in my life. Um, and I never connected these dots until we got all at the other end of the experience. Mm -hmm. But um, I, was, I was driving in my car, and I heard an announcement on a radio station um, about um, missionaries from Haiti who were speaking. And my husband has a real heart for missions, so... I thought I'd try to get in touch and hear from the missionaries, but unfortunately we missed that opportunity. Um, but the pastor of the church um, where they were speaking, when I finally got him on the phone, he said to me, I I'm sorry you missed them, and I did something I've never done before. I invited a complete stranger over for dinner. And uh, hmm. he, came, he came to dinner and uh, actually told us that he and his wife were in the process of adopting a little girl from the orphanage that these missionaries um had started in Haiti, and mm -hmm. uh, after they got through, they told us their story. They left. I looked at my husband, and I said, well, we could never adopt. It's mm -hmm. expensive. We couldn't do And I just kept saying, we couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. And my husband just quoted scripture to me and said, yeah, take care of widows and orphans in their distress. And it was a mm -hmm. no-brainer for him. Right. And then God just wouldn't let it rest. I just couldn't get it off my heart. Wow, you know, and you mentioned the the financial difficulties or the financial consideration, I should say, because that is something that people think about a lot. It's expensive to adopt, isn't it? Yes, it's very expensive. Uh, in, in fact, however, um, Haiti is one of the less expensive countries from which to adopt. Um, at that time, it was estimated between twelve and fifteen thousand dollars in total, and. and we were living in a mobile home. We had much debt, and, and I thought, well, this can't happen. But amazingly, once we started the process, once we launched on this process, uh, the money just started coming in. I, I had friends who heard about it and donated money to us. Um, mm -hmm. My husband's business really took off, and in fact, by the time we finished the process, we had built our own home and were debt-free. Um, wow. So we were just 
so blessed. And in fact, when we started out, we only intended, we finally made the decision just to adopt Ed Nell, and Ronald was was a happy accident <laughs> along the way. Okay, um, and we'll talk about that. So you have okay. you have two. You have Ed Nell, and you have Ronald. Now, how how old are they? Um, Ronald it will be twenty three in January, and mm-hmm. Ed Nell just turned eleven in July. Um, okay. And they actually came to be with us in 2010. So mm-hmm. Ronald was 17 and Ednell was um, five. Uh, mm-hmm. And we actually have legally adopted Ronald as well. I and mean, people often think, how can you adopt a 17-year-old? But Ronald needed a family just as much as Ednell did. Um, exactly, his, even in his age, yeah. right? Yeah, so- his story it was a very tragic one. So, I mean, what was the process like? Because I know it's not easy to go through to no. jump through the hoops and all that. So let's talk about yeah. um, let's talk about Ednell. You had Ednell first. So what was yeah. that process like? Yeah. He well, was in Haiti, uh, right? Excuse me. He was in Haiti. Yes, he was in Haiti. Um, we finally decided that we were just going to make some inquiries, and um, we talked about it and decided that no one in our family would want their position usurped necessarily. So we decided we were going to adopt a child younger than our youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we downloaded pictures off the Internet from this orphanage where the pastor had adopted his girl. Um, and there were several of them. There were about a dozen boys younger than Molly at the time. So that would be boys under the age of six. And um, ironically, I showed the pictures, the different pictures to my children all separately, and they all picked the same child. Um, oh. Now, of course, you know, that's that was just saying I didn't think much of it. And the next step was to write a letter to the orphanage. And when I did, um, we were amazed to find our letter back approving us to move ahead in the process suggested this same little fellow that they had identified in the pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of in my head, but I'm, I'm an academic. I approach everything academically. And I... Um, had to seek counsel from a social worker, from teachers, from our pediatrician, mm-hmm. um, from an stateside adoption agency, and I just had lists and lists of what to look for and what not to look for. And finally, in November of 2006, we decided to visit the orphanage, and we went down, and it just, my world turned upside down. Uh, it is not, unless you've been to a third world nation, you really can't grasp yeah. poverty. And, and just degradation and the lack of value for human life uh, that we witnessed was was incredible. There were 126 kids at the orphanage at the time, and when we walked in, uh, we were just besieged. Um, I mean, they clung to us. They mm-hmm. were so hungry for love. And um, in the middle of all this, we heard very loud screaming in Creole, and uh, a little guy who uh, was just toddling to the front was pushing big cho- bigger children out of the way and grabbed a hold of my pant leg and looked up at me and said, Mama. And then he looked mm. at Dan and said, Papa. Oh. And we didn't know who he was, and we turned to look at the missionary whose mouth was hanging open, and she said, That's him. That's Ed Nell. And we were in shock because he hadn't been told. Uh, he's normally a very shy, withdrawn child, and she'd never seen him behave that way. So all of my lists went out the window, and that was it. <laughs> so we moved in the process with Ed Nell. He was two at the time, uh, thinking the process would only be a year and a half. Um, but mm-hmm. about midway, the United Nations um, 
suggested legislation that the U.S. adopted called the Hague Convention, um, which mm-hmm. required countries from which Americans were adopting to meet certain requirements. And Haiti was too poor of a nation. They didn't have the money. They didn't have mm-hmm. the resources to meet those the, the criteria. So our adoption stalled right in the middle. Mm-hmm. It picked up again. Um, so it was about a three-year process. It picked up again uh, shortly before the earthquake. Mm-hmm. We got a, a message from the orphanage in um, the winter of early winter, around Christmas time of 2009, that our file had had moved ahead. They had it. It the process wouldn't be too much longer. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, on January 12th, we got a phone call that um, Haiti had just experienced an earthquake. Um, We had no idea if he was dead or alive, um, if anybody from the orphanage had survived. It took three days to finally get confirmation that, in fact, um, one of the two homes that the the orphanage uh, hosted um, was seriously damaged, the other one partially damaged, but that all of the children had gotten out in time. Um, Mm -hmm. They were brought, uh, 96 of them who were in some stage of adoption were brought by Chris Nungaster, who is the nurse who runs the orphanage, to the U.S. Embassy, where they slept on the floor for three days, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. three nights, um, until they could be airlifted out on yes. uh, humanitarian parole visas. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, that was, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is it, is it fair to say that the earthquake, as tragic as it was, it expedited Ednell's it, it did. It, it expedited it you did. actually getting him. It did, but it didn't because because we were toward the end of the process. Mm-hmm. It probably mm-hmm. would have only been a couple of more months, but then again, mm-hmm. those would have been a few more months that we didn't have him. Yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, we were almost done with the international adoption when we got him home here to New York State. Mm-hmm. Um, we were required to restart the adoption so that it would be a national adoption. So Ednell has actually been adopted twice, internationally and nationally. Wow. Um, okay. That's so. Wow. That's really interesting. The whole, the whole, your whole journey is interesting. I mean, it seems to me that you had confirmation after confirmation that that not only should you adopt, but that this child was to be your that child. child. That, that child. That child. Yes. Handpicked. Uh, handpicked. Over and over. Right. Yes. Absolutely. He was handpicked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was determined ahead of time. And I feel the same way about Ronald. We knew Ronald because from the time we began to mm-hmm. adopt Ed now, um, we decided that, you know, he needed to know us as parents. He had been abandoned at the, at the, at the orphanage when he was 18 months old, and he had most likely very little, if any, memory of, of parents. Uh, so mm-hmm. we decided that we were going to have to travel back frequently. Um, and we did that, uh, and we began to lead mission trips um, to do vacation Bible school down there, um, not only, of course, to to, uh, to work with the children, but, of course, to see our boy. So we knew Ronald as one of the older boys. Um, we knew that he had a mitral valve disease, a serious heart condition. Um, while we were going through that period of time, that, that three years that the adoption was taking, um, we watched Ronald walk through some difficult times. His heart failed. Um, they found a, a family, a host family, um, up here in New York State who was willing to um, host him, and they found a doctor willing to donate services and got him a visa and got him here. He had the heart surgery. Um, then the family decided to adopt him. 
but uh, unfortunately he did not know that his father was giving him up for adoption, so they allowed mm. him to go back to Haiti while the adoption process was finished. The problem is that uh, his heart valve failed while he was back in Haiti, and uh, mm. he was dying. <clears throat> but he it was a paperwork issue. We couldn't have processed two applications for visas at the same time, one for adoption and one for the purpose of, of medical treatment. Okay. So it took about two years to get him out, and by the time he all everything was done and he was on his way home to New York State, he was uh, having heart failure and had double pneumonia. So they gave him only a 20% chance to live. So when he came up here to Albany Med, um, you know, we knew him, so we, we went up to pray for him and to see him and help him feel a little more comfortable. Uh, and he that was in April of 2009, and he um, was not in good shape. They they didn't give him a, a great chance to survive, and he was in Albany Med from April till July, mm-hmm. and finally in July uh, they had to do emergency open-heart surgery, um, and again we went up to pray for him because the doctors didn't give him a good prognosis, mm-hmm. and of course he survived and thrived and healed <laughs> from the surgery. Yes. And then about a year later, his adoption fell through. And the option was he would either be sent to an institution here somehow or be returned to Haiti. Um, so we took him. You took and, him. Yeah. <laughs> and with and him the, actually came another boy uh, from the orphanage uh, who needed a place to live. So I actually wound up with two of them. And uh, good friends of ours, the McKays, um, decided yes. to adopt Michael. And uh, Ronald has been with us ever since. It's amazing, amazing journey, and it's, it's the rest is history, as they say. And uh, and the the amazing part is, these two boys may not be the children of my womb, but they are the children of my heart, mm-hmm. and they are as much a part of this family as the other three who were born right into it. And that and is so yes, that is so important and something that we that we hear from from families who adopt. And it's, it's like these are my children. It's not well these are my, they're my babies. Are, they're my children. Nope. And that's it's such a wonderful thing what how that happens, you know? So I mm-hmm. have to for the sake of time I have to I want to I want to ask you this question mm-hmm. uh, um uh, briefly and then I I want to give you the, the final word on something. Your boys are, are Haitian, and you're a, a Caucasian family. Did mm-hmm. anyone? Did people discourage you because of race or because of culture? Um, some did. I, I will say um, it was a bit generational. Um, the older older people tended to say to us, "Are you sure uh, mm-hmm. that you're going to encounter problems?" Um, we did have a child advocacy specialist from the courts, actually who told us to be prepared for, um, you know, extensive prejudice. But I have to say, this community has been so welcoming. We have not encountered that at all. Um, I have experienced a few times, usually it's people of color who will say to me, I can't believe you did this. I mean, they're just really surprised Mm -hmm. that that we would do this. Um, But for the most part, people have been so welcoming and so accepting. In fact, when Ronald graduated from high school, he is the only child who the school gave a standing ovation to. Wow. And this is a primarily Caucasian district with a very low um, interracial population. Wow. Um, 
And it was, and whenever anybody hears Ronald's name, they just say, oh, we we love Ronald. And, and so, we, so what I'm hearing, uh-huh. what I'm hearing too, is that that race should be a hindrance. Absolutely not. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. We what? have very good African-American friends in, in Hudson who came alongside of us and said, we're going to help you learn to raise up a black man <laughs> because I don't think you know how to do it. So <laughs> they need to have some they need to have some uh, idea of, of culture somewhat different than, than our family. And we've just had a beautiful church family who have come alongside of us and, and where they felt we've, we've been lacking, they have filled in the gaps. Well, that's so good we're black. When, you have, when you have people, when you have friends, it's all, you know, just all one, one family like that. Okay, here's the final word. I'm going to just uh, throw this out at you. If there's someone out there who who's listening who may be thinking about adopting or maybe, I don't know, maybe their mind says there's no way I can do that, in just, a, I don't know, a few seconds, what would you say to someone who has a home and has a heart um, but maybe just really, really unsure about adopting. How would you? How might you encourage that? Well, one of the reasons why we decided to adopt is because we are so blessed in this nation. We have so much, and there are so many people out there, even even in our own neighborhoods, who who are lacking um, uh, well-adjusted families who who can love children and offer so much. And I looked at it first about what I was giving, mm-hmm. that was nothing compared to what I got. The wow. blessings are tenfold. Mm-hmm. I, I have never regretted, nor do I ever imagine I could ever regret this decision. Mm-hmm. Um, though I went into it with doubts, I have nothing but blessings. Um, yeah. Raising these children is is one of the greatest gifts of my life. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's beautiful. I, I just want to thank you, Anne, for, for all that you do. And obviously your husband, you and your husband are a team. And, and not only you, your husband, but your your uh, your whole family, your children as well. You have five children. Uh, you and Dan are doing a wonderful thing. And so I just want to thank you. And I want to also thank you for, for sharing your story with us. I believe it will encourage someone. Thank you for coming thank on The Right Voice. Thank you. All right, God bless you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.